Hey, what's up everyone? I'm Chelsea. Welcome to the Enneagram of Essence. This podcast is about reminding us of what is good about us deep down in our core. Our essence is something pure, beautiful, and powerful that can never be taken from us and never tainted, no matter what we've been through. It is our true self beneath all the layers of defenses, stories, and neurotic habits that we call our personality. Unfortunately, the Enneagram is often used in a way that reinforces our bad habits. It can become one more way to identify with our ego. But the most important thing I've learned from my Enneagram teachers is that our Enneagram type is actually not who we are. It's what keeps us from being who we are. It is possible to embark upon the epic journey from our ego to our essence. And there are two main tools that bring us there. One is the cultivation of presence, which means we must be in contact with ourselves in the living moment, the unfolding now, by having the courage to connect to our bodies, hearts, and minds. The second tool is to have spiritual disciplines or practices that help us return to this presence again and again. And there are myriad ways of doing this, as my guests on this show demonstrate through their stories about their own epic journeys back home to essence. Thank you so much for joining us today. All the freedom we seek is internal. joy of speaking with Joe Davis and Enneagram 7. Joe Davis is a nationally touring artist, educator, and speaker based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He employs poetry, music, theater, and dance to shape culture. His work has been featured on BET, CNN, and VH1. He is the founder and director of multimedia production company, The New Renaissance, the front man of emerging soul funk band, The Poetic Diaspora, and co-creator of Just Move, racial justice education through art. He has keynoted, facilitated conversation, and served as a teaching artist at hundreds of high schools and universities, including programs in New York, Boston, and most recently as the artist in residence at Luther Seminary, where he earned a master's in theology of the arts. To learn more and support Joe's work, poetry, music, and vision, visit joedavispoetry.com. My guest and I are going to start by doing a guided centering meditation together. And all you out there in the audience are invited to please join along with us so that we can all be present as fully as possible for this conversation. So um, wherever you are, just finding a comfortable space to 
sit and find some balance in the body. If you want to close your eyes, you can. You don't have to. Whatever feels comfortable. And we'll turn our attention to the breath. This life-sustaining movement constantly flowing in and out of the body. And just noticing what it's like to breathe in this moment. And as we breathe in and out, we begin to notice the sensations of the whole body. Feeling grounded, connected, supported by the earth beneath us. Noticing any tension and allowing the breath to just soothe that tension and let it release. And we'll bring our awareness next to our hearts as we breathe in and out, noticing what's showing up here in the heart center today. And allowing that to be however it is, no need to change it or fix it or repress it, just being with it. And as we stay grounded in the body and allow the heart to open, we might notice that the mind naturally begins to quiet down. And we begin to notice no matter how busy the mind is, there's space between the thoughts. So we'll bring our awareness to that space in the mind. The expansive quality of consciousness itself. And we'll take Another breath here to take in a complete snapshot of what it's like to be a human in this moment, in the body, the heart, and the mind. And then we'll let go of that. And the eyes are closed, we can open them. And we will begin our conversation. Mm -hmm. So hi, Joe. <laughs> Good to have you here. Uh, grateful to be here. Thanks so much. That was really relaxing. That was really beautiful. Mm, good. So I want to start us off today as we talk about type seven, just getting really grounded in what the essence quality of seven is. Um, because oftentimes in Enneagram conversations, we can get caught up with just like their neurotic behaviors and tendencies and like making fun of ourselves. And like, it's, you know, that's all fun and stuff, but, but there is actually more to this. There's, there's a distinction here in the Enneagram between our egos, which is our personality and 
the essence that's beneath that, that is our deeper, truer self. So, so as I'm describing the essence of seven, you can just, um, you know, allow this to wash over you, impact you, and then um, you can share anything you want after, after that. So when, when sevens are in presence, so fully connected to themselves, there, there's a quality of like a deeper, quiet mind that arises. Um, there's an openness, there's, there's this like very playful curiosity that, that becomes present. And there's actually um, a stillness and a silence in the mind you know, the, the personality of the seven is that the mind is very, very, very busy. <laughs> but when in presence, there's this possibility of stillness and silence. And there's this like bright, uncluttered quality in the mind. And, and this allows for this inner freedom to, mm. to arise. And the, the words for essence that often get used in describing type seven are joy and freedom. And, and here, what it's really pointing to, though, is that it's this freedom is not dependent on external things, on circumstances, on experiences, on material things, um, not even on relationships, but, but that there is a possibility of connecting with freedom within. And there's a guidance that, that shows up in that, too, of like a sense of knowing what to do and knowing what would bring us to like the most amazing possible outcome. And this is what's so great about sevens is like, there's this optimizing quality of like, uh, things are good, but I know they could be better. So let's go there. And so there's, um, there's this like holy imagination that comes in with sevens and, and envisioning is there's, there's, I would say it's like a prophetic quality and in this state there's there's kind of like a trusting of the flow of life and mm -hmm. being able to follow that wholeheartedly mm -hmm. with this endless sense of, of possibility and so the other piece of this is is joy <laughs> which is really like this quiet delight in the heart it's a it's a heart quality and here in, in presence, when sevens are connected to presence, the joy is a like a causeless joy. <laughs> it doesn't need to be dependent on anything um, or circumstance. And there's a gratitude that arises, like a, a deep, genuine gratitude for what we already have, what's already here in this moment. And every moment feels new and exciting and alive when we're present to it. And of course, at some point, it feels like we get disconnected from that essence. And then the personality kicks in and tries to recreate it and tries to get back to that joy by starting like a happiness project and, and chasing after exciting experiences and trying to, trying to create the freedom. And it turns into like a pleasure seeking and excitement seeking um, kind of race almost like there's a exertion and an exhaustion that can come in when when the personality takes over this this happiness project so there's a big difference between mm -hmm. between that happiness project of the ego and just the being in the presence of of the essence mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so much of that just resonated with me. I felt, even as you're reading that, I felt my heart kind of swell glow and like open up more and uh it was like you were holding up this mirror with like this is really beautiful affirming reflection <laughs> like mm. so much for for sharing that that was beautiful yeah yeah you're welcome and i'm curious i would like to start our conversation just hearing from you in your life experience as a seven, like what have you seen or felt in like the difference between happiness and joy? Like what, what has that dance been for you? Yeah. Yeah. I've, it's so funny that you asked me that because I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Like I'm writing a piece called Black Boy Joy because this Black Boy Joy is this idea of reclaiming the joy that black men may have had lost or stolen when they were younger mm. and really digging into that. And what does it mean for me to experience joy, which I feel joy is distinct from happiness because joy is, has a depth to it and it has an unconditionality to it. As you described, it's like, it's kind of rooted in, like there's no cause, it just is. It's like a, gra it's a, a gratitude for presence. Mm. Um, and I've definitely experienced that. And that's what I've been writing about and what I've been exploring. And for me, I found that like when when I like really started to lean more into like meditative, mindful embodied practices where um, I'm intentionally like staying present in my body and, and that's where I really find my power. That's where I really find my joy. I see the difference when I'm not in my body and I'm, I'm on that happy project, <laughs> right? <laughs> And it is, it's like an endless, it's an endless race because it's, it's, it's never satiated. Always, always, always try to run that race and never meet an end to it. When I'm just present in the moment, I, I'm, I'm grateful for what is. Um, that's, that's like the most beautiful place for me to be. I really enjoy being in that place. So mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely experienced that. So I want to talk a little bit about your journey as a seven, your evolution. And yeah. so let's let's go back to, you know, thinking about younger Joe, maybe high school or, you know, younger adult, early 20s kind of age. And how was your personality showing up and how was it like mm -hmm. causing stress for for you or for other people around you because and this is an interesting question I think especially for sevens because people really mistake they have this misunderstanding about sevens that it's easy to be a seven mm. that like oh they're just happy all the time isn't it nice gosh I wish I could be a seven it looks so amazing but yeah. but what? Itself, the expectation in and of itself is stress causing <laughs> okay yes yeah yes. And that's part of, I think, what showed up for me even when I was younger is even at a, a like subconscious level, like feeling that I needed to live up to that expectation that others projected onto me or that I, I didn't even know that I had for myself because I didn't have the awareness then. But like feeling like I always had to be the life of the party, I always had to be the one who was going to make other people happy and make people laugh and have a good time even if I wasn't necessarily feeling like that myself. And so that can cause a lot of 
stress and anxiety and depression, right? Trying to live up to that. And so I think that's how I would show up sometimes. And not, not all the time, right? There were times where it was authentic, where I really was like in the moment and really feeling myself and everyone's enjoying that space together. But there were other times where like, I felt like I had to perform. It was really performative. And I'm an artist too. And, and one of the reasons why I'm an artist, I think is because I want to create a space for myself and others to fully experience an authentic joy and freedom, right? right? Like at, at, the, my, at my core, at my essence, like that's what I, I desire to, to, to be present to in myself and to offer that to the world. Right. But I think when I was younger, I didn't have that awareness so a lot of times it would show up as, okay, how am I going to make myself not be sad? How am I going to make other people not be sad? And that's not healthy because sometimes, but then this is what I've learned only in my young adult life is that sadness isn't like a pejorative. It isn't a, a negative, right? Mm-hmm. The whole spectrum of emotions beyond those that make us feel good are needed. And, and I look at emotions now as guides, as mm-hmm. teachers as friends and so when I have different emotions that may feel uncomfortable I I try to give myself the space to be present to them and to listen to them and to process them and what are they here to to teach me Um, whereas when I was younger I would try to suppress all of the all the emotions that I consider quote-unquote negative right and that just wasn't allowing me to show up as my full self as my authentic self because I had all this all these things that I wasn't working through all these things I wasn't processing and, and there's reasons to feel sad. There's so many reasons to feel sad, so many reasons to cry, so many reasons to be angry or whatever other emotions that our bodies are experiencing, like they need to be felt. And I know now that feeling is healing, but I didn't always know that. Uh, what what impact do you think that had on you as a young man of suppressing and, and repressing your difficult emotions? Yeah, I think that at times I lost, I lost a part of myself and not, you know, thankfully, I I don't think there were parts of myself that haven't been recovered, right, or or can't be re-enlivened. But I think there was, there were opportunities that I missed where I didn't bring my full self to the opportunity, to the relationship or to myself. I was just like, wasn't, wasn't bringing my full self because part of me is a part, is a part of me that I'm denying, that I'm dismissing. And so. Yeah, you know, sometimes I, I look back and I, I mourn and grieve that I, I didn't know. I just didn't know, you know? Um, yeah, no one taught you. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I, I know that, you know, I've had family and friends who all, always wanted the best for me, but sometimes those expectations that they set, they didn't realize that those uh, were harmful and were wounding, so. Yeah. Yeah. So what helped you start to stay with your difficult emotions and I mean you speak of them as guides and friends now but what was the journey from from suppression to seeing it it as a friend that's a big leap yeah suppression to expression yeah (laughs) yeah I think I think it's an ongoing lifelong journey I think I've I've one thing that has been tremendously helpful for me is to like posture myself as a lifelong learner as a lifelong truth seeker and always wanting to go deeper and having the willingness and openness to do it. And so that's, that's something that's been pretty consistent throughout my life. 
And it's just, it was just a matter of awareness. I think I, I didn't even know, I wasn't aware, first of all, I wasn't aware of the Enneagram mm. until maybe like a several years ago. That, that was one point that was really helpful for me. But even before that, I think something that was a game changer for me was when I started getting into mindfulness and, and mm. meditation. And like there was a there was a class. I'm trying to think of some of the earliest memories I have of like because because before I got into it, I remember thinking it was really weird, kind of whack and like kind of woo woo. I was like, I don't really know. Like and then I tried tried to like meditate a couple of times and I was super distracted and bored. And I was like, I don't really know what this is all about. But like I remember like I took a yoga class in undergrad uh, and that was really helpful where the yoga teacher, she would walk us through uh, a process of meditation after doing the yoga. And that was some of the first times I remember like really, really, really having a, a deeper sense of presence in my body and being like, oh, wow. Okay. Like, I don't need to always run from my body. Um, wow. and, and like having teachers in my life, like uh, Dr. Joy Lewis, who's a local black healer here in, in North Minneapolis, like one of the things she's really opened up for me, like just just learning under her is like how everything that my body ever has done for me is to protect me and to keep me alive. And so I don't need to run from my body. And I think there's, you know, there's experiences when I was younger that made me think that I didn't want to be in my body, that it wasn't safe in my body. Right. And we could we could go down that rabbit hole, too, about how many reasons there are to not want to be in one's body, especially as a black man in the United States of America, you know? Um, and, and so, you know, that's, that's been part of my journey, part of my story, but then realizing that my, how, how deeply and unconditionally my body loves me and cares for me. Mm. And how can I return the favor, <laughs> right? Love and care for my body and be present to my body and be relationship with like this body, this presence here and now. And the more I came back to that space, the more I came to to love it and to recognize it as like an authentic part of who I am. Yeah, yeah. Shout out, shout out to meditation and mindfulness and embodiment. Shout out to teachers and mentors throughout my life, like Dr. Joy Lewis and as Resma Minicum. I don't know if, if you are familiar with Resma yes. Minicum. Yeah. Yes. Encountering his work was huge. He talks about somatic work, you know, body-centered work. And so that kind of stuff has been like really transformative for me. Um, and so, so now as an artist, like one of my, um, one of my slogans, one of the things I say um, is I'm here not to perform, but to transform. Because you know, the, the, the expectation of art and, and artists oftentimes is okay, they're gonna come in, they're gonna do some music or poetry or, or dance or theater, and it's gonna be performative and we're gonna love it. I'm like, yeah, that, that's all good and well, but I'm here for something deeper than that. Like, I'm not, I'm not here to perform to meet expectations that, that may be projected onto me or even my, I try to process my own expectations. I'm like, okay, I just want to be here to give like an authentic value to, to, you know, to this experience, to your life. How can we go on this journey together and go deeper together? That's what I want to show up as, whether it's as an artist or just as a friend. Yeah. yeah. Wow. The, um, the phrase that was coming to me as you were speaking about that was self-love and, mm. yeah. and, and yeah. how it seems almost counterintuitive, but like this allowing ourselves to feel pain mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. actually a, an act of self-love. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's so valuable and healing, but, but the ego doesn't get that. <laughs> you know? yeah. It wants to run, run away from it at all costs. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I am, I am curious to, to ask about the racial justice work that you do and you do it in a lot of different ways. It is through your art and your poetry and your theater and and you also teach like anti-racism courses and intercultural competency courses and there's a lot and and there's the reality that this is a painful topic <laughs> to be diving into and there's you know you're going to go in and, and encounter conflict and and push back and all kinds of difficulties and emotions from from you and from the people that you're with and so what helps you stay with that like what what do you need to connect with or what kind of support do you need and i don't just mean as a seven but as a human being that work is hard for anybody but especially perhaps for someone who who wants to just be in the, you know, the, the ooey gooey, good feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. what helps you stick with it? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think a couple of things. The first one is, is really connected with what you already named. You talked about self-love and I've also heard like uh, the language of radical self-care. Um, mm-hmm. And so for me, what that means is being rooted and grounded in practices where I know I'm going to be resourced, where I know I'm going to going to stay connected to my power prior to like going into those spaces. And so like my best days are when I have my rising ritual, my, my morning ritual where I get up and I have some meditation. I listen to some music. I'm, I'm praying and setting my intentions. That sets the tone for my entire day so that no matter what comes up, like I always say, you can't pour from an empty cup. So for me, that's filling up my cup, like starting my day where I'm filling up my cup, where I'm remembering. I talk about coming back to radical remembrance of who I am. How do we come back to radical remembrance of who we are? So when I get to that place in the morning before I do anything else in my day, then I know, okay, I've I've been there. And so if if anything tries to like, if I I shift a little bit, if my energy's off a little bit, I'm like, okay, wait, 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 let me tap back in again, you know? tap back into who I am. Let me remember who I am. Remember my source. Mm-hmm. Remember where my strength is, where my power is. Right. And so that that's that's like one of the ways that that I, I'm able to, to go into those types of spaces. And then another reason is remembering my why, like the reason why I even do it to begin with. Why is it meaningful? Why does it matter? Because I always say when, when you know your why, there's no how you can't overcome. So finding that why. And the reason why I do it for me is because the vision that I have for the world, even as you described like the essence of the seven, right? This vision of, I know things can be better. Like I've seen it, like I've, I've experienced it, I've been there. Like I think about even Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. talked about, I've been to the mountaintop, right? Like I feel like I was, I, I've seen what Dr. King saw. I see that vision of a world where there is racial justice, a world where, where there isn't violence and oppression, but people are, are caring for each other in a really deep, authentic, sincere way. Like I know it's possible because I've experienced it in my relationships. Mm-hmm. I've experienced it within myself. I've experienced it with other human beings, um, with other communities, right? And so what I bring into that space is, is 
again, that radical remembrance of what is possible. And so when things do get tough, when, when conflict inevitably, inevitably does arise, I think it's important to have space to, to come back to our why, to come back to that vision of what's possible. Um, Cause that's, what's gonna propel us through, through those tough times, right? That's, that's what's gonna enable us not to get stuck. Cause we're like, okay, like, okay, where we're here right now, it doesn't feel good. We're, we're, we're wrestling through this conflict, right? We're grappling with systemic issues, but ultimately the reason why we're doing this, why we're gonna stay present, why we're gonna stay committed is because we know it's possible to experience healing. We know it's possible for there to be equity and justice. And so that's, that's something that's really important for me to remember that why. Think about like having rhythms, rhythms in life. And like for me as a seven, I think rhythms are super important. It's like always coming back to staying committed to like a practice um, of, of like that radical remembrance of radical self-care, of uh -huh. meditation, self-love. Yes. You know, coming back to those rhythms is, is what, what brings me more fully into um, who I am, into my essence, so. Yes, that's beautiful. I'm imagining relationship is also a, mm. a big support in this journey yeah. as, as well. What would you what would you say about about that as far as being able to to stay the course? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, I'm so I'm like incredibly grateful for my relationships in my life. Like I mean cer certainly like I think about my rom my romantic relationship, my marriage relationship with my spouse. My spouse, she is a 6, Enneagram 6, so she's you know, focused on like stability and security and some some of the, those things are really helpful for me so that's that's been amazing <laughs> to have that in my life mm -hmm. and then i think about like other relationships with mentors and with my family i'm like i'm i'm so blessed to have a relationship with both my parents and with my sibling uh, i have one older sister and um, she's married and has five kids so i have five nieces and nephews um, and so all this is like my community, right? I'm naming all the people in my community who I'm, who I'm grateful for. And uh, they've definitely shaped me mm -hmm. and taught me so much and um, helped remind me of who I am and why I am. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I, the, the Enneagram is so eloquent <laughs> in the way that it is very specific mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. people and patterns and the journey of growth because yeah. one of the really important things that you named about the discipline of practices mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is coming from your that inner line arrow connection to type one yeah that perfectionism the, the, the <laughs> discipline the discipline to 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 show up and keep showing up even when it's hard mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. comes naturally to ones um yeah. like comes the one <laughs> really oh cool yeah, yeah, yeah. and um because because you know average sevens who are more kind of in the trance of like just running their programming of their personality mm -hmm. often you know there's a there's a habit of having a lot of ideas but then never really following through <laughs> yeah. i've been there before too actually. Uh -huh. and it's this groundedness um with the body, because one is a body type, 
And so the groundedness connecting into the body is what is what helps the seven to to actual to actualize the dreams and the visions that are constantly popping off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. definitely, I definitely see that. I think, uh, like I said, my mom, my mom is the one. I did the Enneagram with both my parents uh, a few years ago. And, and that conversation ended with them both laughing and crying. <laughs> and it was so cool to be the one to like, you know, guide them through that, uh, for them to see themselves with a deeper sense of like self-awareness. And, mm. and so, but going back to what you said about the one, like with my mom being a one, I could definitely see the ways that she's helped me. She's helped me in that area as well. Yeah, for sure. Help giving me more direction, more grounding, more embodiment. Yeah, yeah. So before we got onto this call, I was looking at your website and I, I wrote down this quote that I think is just so beautiful. And I want to talk about this. So you said to be a cultural architect is to catalyze futurism, actualize vision, and embody imagination to shape the world around us with creativity, intention, and purpose. And so I'm really curious about this word futurism. Mm, yeah. And yeah. can you talk about what that means to you and why that's important to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I care a lot about futurism. I think to me, that is about like envisioning and embodying. And I'm really intentional about saying both envisioning and embodying, because I think sometimes we only think about it, we only imagine it but how do we live into it with our bodies? How do we act? But uh, envisioning a future that we long to live in, right? And making that happen right now today. And so I wanna live in a world where like I can flourish and that my family can flourish, particularly those who are marginalized and those who are vulnerable, black and brown folks, the elderly, the sick, the, those who are in socioeconomic you know, inequi inequitable situations like living in poverty and being unsheltered, like all these things, right? All these injustices that people experience. Like I wanna live in a world where we're actually taking care of each other. I wanna live in a world of abundance. I believe in abundance. I know abundance is real, but I think so oftentimes we get stuck. We get trapped in a scarcity mindset. And, and, and that mindset is what we begin to embody. And that, that, that scarcity is what we see in our communities and in our systems, right? And that's, that's how, I think that's a root cause of so much injustices in the world. And so when I talk about futurism, to me, that's like, how are we creating a world where we're living more fully into abundance, right? Where, where, cause I, it's like, for me, abundance isn't just something that's like out there somewhere, like we can get to it someday. I think we already have access to it um, but I think sometimes there's there's things that are set up that are that are um, inhibiting us to access it. Like it's already there. <laughs> how how are we creating a pathway for for it? How are we creating more accessibility for it? That's what futurism is for me. Is like living more fully into abundance. And so for for example, to kind of give some more concrete examples. So I do a lot of Afrofuturistic theater productions. And so I did a, did a, uh, you know, back when we were actually doing theater uh, before when we were meeting in person and stuff, <laughs> someday we can do it again. But like, I, I had these, these plays where um, like black actors would, you know, poets and singers and dancers would show up as their best selves, like, or what, even what, like their wildest 
imaginative versions of themselves, kings and queens and gods and goddesses and and like spiritual warriors. And we're like, we're dressing up and we're like on the stage and we're like embodying this. And it's really playful and imaginative, right? But I even I think in even in that of itself, there's something really powerful mm. and inflammatory about that. Where like, you know, on a, on a regular day-to-day basis when we're bombarded with all this negative messaging of like who we are, about who we are, trying to tell us who we are, who we can and can't be. And for us to like take our power back and say, no, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna act out my highest self in this moment, you know? Um, I think that's that's a really beautiful and powerful thing. And so that's, that's what I mean when I say imagine, uh, you know, futurism, embody futurism is like, you do best what you do most. So even as, as a theater artist, right? Where we're practicing freedom, we're practicing joy. And the more we do it, the more we can live into it. The more we find that rhythm, the more it becomes a song, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's what it's about, that futurism is okay. This is the world that I long to live in. How can I start practicing living in, in it right here, right now? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I I remember coming to your show and it it was just incredible. It was so fun. It was super optimistic. And you found a way still to touch on some difficult themes and issues and but it was held in this container of of optimism which I think it just made it so accessible. And like uh, there, there was. I remember for myself feeling like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to be a part of this. Like this yeah. is yeah. this feels so good to mm-hmm. see people completely free to express themselves and mm-hmm. in all of their power and glory, right? And and yeah. it was like oh yeah like just a wholehearted yes and uh, I just think that's one of the amazing gifts that that you in particular bring and and I think sevens in general have this ability to kind of bring people along and and you know recruit them (laughs) into you know into the cause and um and make it so it's not such a a slog you know it's like man the work can be just draining and we can get burnt out and and for me as a one that's generally how I approach activism it's like oh god it's so hard how come it's all up to me to you know fix the world and so much pressure and Mm. and then and then seeing that get reframed into this like just joyful dance of like come on let's go this is this is gonna be this is gonna be fun along the way not just at the end of the race but fun every step of the way like that that the means is just as important as the end yeah absolutely yeah yeah that's what i was gonna say to you almost verbatim is like yeah the means to me is just as important as the as the end so i I wanna i wanna have more joy in the world right then i'm gonna plant seeds of joy and i'm gonna cultivate a garden of joy and so, you know, if I want more freedom in the world, then I'm going to plant those seeds and I'm going to cultivate those seeds. And that even that process of cultivation is is like right alongside that same energy, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know if this phrase applies here, but of, of thinking of the phrase like act as if, you know, it's like if we act as if we're already there, mm-hmm. we are. Like then yeah. we are. <laughs> yeah. But but sometimes there's a little a little effort in mm-hmm. in kind of getting the ball rolling. Yeah, yeah. I think of all those those phrases from like from different wisdom traditions and and you know sages and spiritual leaders who will say things like there is no path to peace, peace is the path, or, you know, there's no path to love, love is the path, you know, and so so the more we can, can like feel that in our bodies, in our spirits, I think that becomes more of a reality for us. Yes. So, and if there's anything else you want to say too, that we haven't touched on as far as anything in in your journey or or evolution um, that, that has been significant, I want to make space for that. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, what I love about the Enneagram is that it doesn't show you like who you have to be. It shows you what's possible, like who you can be. Um, And when I first encountered it, I didn't quite understand that, but I really love that about it. It's like, there's been times where like I, I felt trapped Right. And that's one of the seven's greatest fears, too, is like being trapped and being stuck and like, oh, I have to show up this certain way. I have to say this. I have to do this. And then on the other side of that, experiencing such freedom and saying, no, like none of that is true. Like I get to be who I really am. I get to be authentic. And there's so much more power and possibility there. Uh, I think the Enneagram has like opened that up for me. Yeah. yeah. I do want to bring up this term and this is kind of a and maybe you've heard this before it's that each of the enneagram types have a passion and a virtue mm. and and the passion for type seven is gluttony mm. <laughs> yeah. uh, which doesn't is not relating it's not relating to food the way that we typically think of it you know it's this gluttony for pleasurable experiences to mm-hmm. continuously be stimulated yeah. And on the flip side of that, when we do our work and our spiritual practices and and we get guidance from mentors and teachers and, and, and really are committed to being on a spiritual path, then what comes is this virtue, which is like the fruit of, mm-hmm. of that. And so the virtue for type seven gets called sobriety. Mm-hmm. And which again is kind of a funny word because we typically use that, you know, when we're thinking about alcohol or drugs, but I think it is a helpful metaphor in that way, because if you think about addiction, it's, it's about the mind. It's, it's the mind that's constantly anticipating the next hit and that, that craving that comes along with it. Mm -hmm. And and that's a description of what it's like to be an average seven, just running the programming of the personality. Mm-hmm. And, and so sobriety is this state of mind that is free from the anticipating and the planning and the, the grasping for the next thing, which mm-hmm. leads to um, like missing out on the moment of what's already here and what's good here that I could like mm-hmm. actually take in and enjoy and, and feel and be grateful for. So this sobriety is like, it's a state of mind where that contentment 
is is a, a big piece of it. And so um, I, I hear here, there's like, like when we really get into the heart of the Enneagram, it's all about paradox. Mm-hmm. Like it's, there's a non-duality, which is what that triangle in the middle of the symbol represents is like we hold the opposites and and both are true there's like yeah this you know this beautiful description of a vision in, in futurism <laughs> mm-hmm. held side by side with this sobriety of like yeah. being with what's here now and that we don't have to choose one or the other <laughs> yeah. Yeah. they can both be valuable yeah yeah, a metaphor that's really been resonating with me lately is that my, my my response to like my experiences in life can be a wrestling or a dance. Mm-hmm. And so like the wrestling to me is like a resistance to what is a uh, uh, conflicting and a, a fighting with what is with what's already present and a dance is more of a flow and more of an openness and willingness to like accept and embrace and honor what is. And so I see that in that duet and that non-duality in that like presence of what is and what isn't. And like, yeah, that's, that's been my journey lately. And I've been, been trying to like dig deeper into what, how that manifests, how that shows up in my life. So, yeah. And I've definitely experienced both sides of that. Right. The, um, just running on the treadmill, aimlessly chasing pleasure. And then the the stillness of like being present in the moment and being grateful for all that is. Yeah. yeah. And that there's there's joy that arises out of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That the the only place that we can find real joy is actually right here and now. <laughs> Yeah, and it's always accessible. Like that's the thing that's so empowering to me that I that I feel like I've I've only learned like recently, is that that like maybe in the last like two three years that 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 space is accessible to each and every one of us, at every moment, like within us, yeah. And and I I know that I I haven't always known how to access that within myself, which I think is the key is knowing how to access it within within ourselves but i think it's always there yeah like that essence that source that that place of peace and joy and freedom is within all of us mm. um, but we have to allow ourselves to access it <laughs> mm. yeah is had this might be impossible to describe but how do you access it for you yeah yeah, to me, like I have my practices and I think this is gonna be different for everyone. I, I like to talk about them as like freedom practices or that rhythm that I was referring to, like finding that rhythm. And I think it's it's gonna look different for each person because I know what works for me may not work for someone else. But like for me, some I have different practices that really work for me. And so like I talked about meditation and mindfulness and embodiment. So literally like just sitting down quieting everything around me as much as possible, like no technology and just paying attention to my breath, listening to my body and like really, really, really listening to my body, like paying attention to like, where do I feel tension? Where do I feel energy? Like, is is there, and, I, and like welcoming that and learning from that and listening to that and saying, okay, what's going on there? Oh, wow, that feels like 
that feels like kind of sad right there. What is that? Okay, let me pay attention to that. Okay. And then I'm sitting with the sad, with the sad feeling that I feel in my chest. And then more I pay attention to it, maybe I, I start to feel it rise. Like I'm describing an experience that I've had before, right? How I've accessed it. So like I allow that sadness to rise. I'm like, okay, wow, this is heavier than I expected. And then I feel like I want to cry, like just out of nowhere. I'm like, where is this coming from? Like, I really want to cry now. I don't even know why I want to cry, but I really want to cry. And then I just allow myself to cry. And then I'm, I'm sitting in my bed and I'm just weeping and I'm crying and I'm thinking about all the things. Okay, that's why I'm crying because we're in a global pandemic. And, and like, I, I want to do things that I can't do or I want to see people that I can't see or, you know, all the reasons why I could be feeling sorrowful and I'm crying and I'm weeping and then I'm releasing it, I'm releasing it. And then I'm still being present with my body and underneath that release, I'm like, oh, wow, there, okay, this is a part of me that feels like more, there's more stillness there. There's more quiet there. There's like more peace there. And so I just, I just sit there and maybe I'm, maybe I, sometimes I gotta move a little bit. I might have to rock, I might have to hum, I might sing. Sometimes music is helpful if I'm dancing, but ultimately it's this relationship that I'm cultivating with my inner self, with my body, with my spirit. So I think people have to find ways to access that for themselves. For me, it's about eliminating distractions and just paying attention and giving my focus and my energy and my concentration in, in, into that space for myself. I know some people it could look like yoga or it could look like being out in nature. It could look like um, so many different things. I think people have to find, find what that might be for themselves, but yeah, find your freedom practice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. That was such a clear example. Thank you. So we're, we're coming up close to the end of our time here, but I don't want to let you go without hearing a poem if you would be willing to share um and when i was thinking about your songs and your poetry and the, the one that came to me was this this one called show up and yeah. actually i think probably every one of your poems could be a good representation of, of like these essence qualities of the seven yeah. um yeah. but uh there was something about this one that that just really spoke to me related related to this topic. So um, if you're willing to share it, I would love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's one of my favorite pieces to share. I think it, it really does speak to my essence and it speaks to um, an invitation to others to also to, to be in their essence and to show up as their most authentic and unapologetic selves. Hmm. That's really what it's all about. To me, that's what it means to show up and we may not always feel it, we may not always get there, but the invitation is to try your best and, and your best might look different today than it did yesterday and that's okay. <laughs> like, <just laughs> And so, yeah, that's what it's all about. So I offer this piece to all of us who have a commitment to showing up together. We've each been called to this place, this time and this season. You may not yet know the rhyme or the reason you may not feel, think, or believe in the same things I believe in, but we've been asked to show up. Show up wherever you are from. You can come here to be free. 
Bring your full selves, both your head and your heart, your hands and your feet, and anything and everything, infinitely beyond any duality or sexuality, gender, race, age, or ability. We all have the ability to be. Without you, I'm incomplete. Without you, there is no we. I need you not just to survive, but to thrive, to come fully awake and alive with potential and possibility. Join me at the table for it is wide and there is lots of food to eat. So show up and be fed and feed others, satiating a different kind of hunger, fueling the fire in our bellies. No matter what journey you're on, where you've been or what you've done, all will be well when we're all welcome to laugh, cry, dance, write, breathe, and bleed into the margins and follow the call into the farthest reaches of who we are. Whether you run, walk, crawl, even if you fall, we fall in love. But just show up. Show up to answer the call to justice, to transform both the soul and the bodily world the soul inhabits. Show up with all your awkwardness and bad habits. Show up with your doubts and questions. And when here, you can ask them. Show up with your wounds and your scars. We all have baggage, but know that together we can unpack it. This is no mistake. You are not here by accident. You are here to share the stories of your sacred passage. You are the only you that ever has been. You are not the magician. You are the magic. So show up to this place here where there's no grace, period. There's only grace, period. Bring your fears and insecurities. Let us marvel in the mystery. Let us listen to each other to life with a deep, holy listening. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? That's the sound of the genuine within you. The spirits are near you, but if you don't show up, how can anyone hear you? Show up. You may have the truth and healing for which this world is searching. Our hearts are broken, hearts wide open for the little light to shine through, a little hope for the hopeless. Wherever you go, simply know the spirit of this place goes with you. So go. Ready with sleeves rolled up, always growing, never fully growing up, Ready with all your heart, mind, body, and soul simply to show up. Thank you for showing up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, the, the line that popped out to me this time, I mean, there's so much in that poem, but mm -hmm. the line that popped out to me was, satiating a different kind of hunger mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know this is the the counter to that gluttony yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's the, the things we think are going to satisfy us uh always fall short but there is there are things that do satisfy yeah mm. yeah absolutely yes <laughs> yeah wow Thank you so much. <laughs> I love that poem. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it too. And I love to share it. So glad to offer it here and now. All right. Well, I think that's that's the end of our time. So thank you so much, Joe. This has been a real pleasure. 
Likewise. Thank you so much. All the beauty we've learned, how to share. Big shout out to singer-songwriter Lynn O'Brien, who provided our theme music for this podcast. You can find her music and coaching work online at lynnobrien.love. For more on my work, including Enneagram courses, coaching, Enneagram art, and spiritual direction, visit chelseaforbrook.com. Please share this podcast with your friends, and I look forward to having you join us next week for our next epic journey. Until then, may the deep peace of presence be with you.